0: To produce 15 minutes of content for Indian Noir, it takes about seven hours of work. Two hours of writing, one hour of rewriting, one hour of editing, one hour of recording and cutting, and then another hour of post production with sound effects. Now, that last hour, depending on how sound effects dense and episodic, that can be up to two and a half hours. So it can be anywhere from six to eight and a half hours or 15 minutes that you listen quickly.
1: Hello and welcome back to Podcast Unfiltered, a podcast about creating podcasts and amazing podcasters. I'm your host Vijay Gautam. For the past four years I have had the opportunity to produce tons of shows and learn from some of the most amazing creators of the country. Podcast Unfiltered is my attempt to give you a sneak peek into the creative process of some of the most iconic podcasters of the country and bring forth insights that's shaping the podcast industry in India today Storytelling in India is an age-old tradition Most of us have grown up listening to these amazing stories from our grandparents It has in more than one ways shaped our world taken us into this imaginary world which we hold dearly in our memories we derived lessons for our lives from these stories. This art form has taken so many shapes and forms. It has evolved over the period of time. Podcasting has given a platform for a lot of storytellers and aspiring ones to share their work with the world. To help you understand how to better write and narrate fictional stories in audio, I have invited a fellow podcaster and writer, Nikesh Murali. He hosts one of the most popular fictional storytelling podcasts of the country, Indian Noir. Also last year, we at Wine Studio collaborated with Nikesh to create a mythology fiction show, Hears of the Pandavas, which was on the Bello Collective's list for top 100 global podcasts. I have known Nikesh for almost three years, and I must say he is probably the most hardworking Indian podcasters I know of. The amount of dedication Nikesh puts in mastering his craft is commendable. There's a lot you can learn from this episode on creating a fictional storytelling podcast. Let's jump in. Welcome to the show, buddy.
0: Hey, Bujay. Very excited to be talking to you about podcasting. Thanks for having me on the
1: show. Because we have had a bunch of discussion before this, obviously, and we have been chatting for almost a year now, or maybe a little over a year. And it's always fun to have conversation with you about podcasting in India. And, you know, you are doing an amazing job within Denoir. So I thought, you know, it would be really great to have your insights shared with my listeners on podcasting, on narration, on story, writing, or crafting Uh, because you do it so amazingly well. Thanks, buddy, for coming on the show.
0: No, it's always exciting to talk to you about podcasting. I mean, I could talk for hours about podcasting to anyone who would uh, approach me on the topic. And I've particularly enjoyed our discussions on the finer points of how to do it really well over the years. So very happy to be here.
1: So I want to now jump into the creative process that you have, right? So... You have written these amazing stories, and you know series of stories that a lot of people love in their Noah. So, share with the listeners what does your creative process looks like? How do you go about, for example, let's say? setting the story and then going about, okay, this is how probably I want to build a story. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are the things that you keep in mind? Probably somebody looking at creating a story can learn from your process because do you really go out and first see what are the incidents that has happened, the real thing, or do you just use your imaginary mind to come out with all these different, uh, you know, how does the whole story text form or how do you even come out with that first concept and then go about building up on that story, share with share, break it down for the listeners.
0: Yeah, sure. Look, so I have an active interest in horror and crime and science fiction and fantasy. That happens to be most of the stories and movies and TV shows I consume. So I'm a consumer of stories in that medium. Uh, But uh, also I've been a writer of stories in that medium. And obviously I'm exposed to real life through my daily day-to-day business or by reading news articles. So all these things amalgamate in your brain and Somewhere in the subconscious, there is a repository of ideas and events and and information just sitting there. And that's the first thing to note. And that is the case for any creative artist. And so it's important to be observant and not to close yourself off from the world or the medium that you practice in. And secondly, the other thing to remember is that I have seen a lot of posts from people saying there is no formula to storytelling. Writers don't understand what they're even they're doing. You know, it's this mystical concept that's bullshit. If you're a fairly good writer, you know what the formula is. There is always a formula and it's not a secret formula. The formula is easily available. It's been well written about. And that is the three act structure for a movie or a five act structure for a TV show. Now, you only have to go on Google and search these terms to be able to find the books that have been written about it. So I've read most of them because I've had to teach in the creative writing space. But my advice to you is to read about how these act structures are used, particularly in movies. And the reason why I'm saying that is the world has moved on from books which are these rambling stories that are in 500, 600 pages. And when people used to have the time to luxuriously sit and read long stories, people's thought processes and, you know, epic stories about their grandfather's three generation, people don't have that time anymore. People watch movies that are edited very quickly. It's very pacey. It's very interesting. It grips them. So a recommendation would be, for example, uh, Save the cat screenplay writing books. Find any screenplay writing book, read through them, you know, learn the structure. And then it's a matter of watching and reading while keeping these structures in mind. And then once you have done that, then you have to write a lot. There is no getting around this. You have to, it's the 10,000 hours mastery principle. You do it for 10,000 hours, you will get out, you will get very good at it. So I've been doing this for 20 years the number of short stories I've written, the, the manuscripts I've written is, I can't even remember what the numbers are anymore. Most of them have not been published because they're not good enough. But then you get to a point where it's reasonably good enough, you put it out there, you try and get it published. If it's good, it will get published and then you get a bit of confidence, you get to understand what works, what doesn't. And at the end of that process, you will come to a place where, and I describe this, this is like making a red velvet cake. All this knowledge and experience comes and forms in your head in a strange form wherein the task actually becomes easy. And so for a lot of people, especially when they're starting off, writing a story is like digging a big hole. You have to keep digging down, down and down, you know, and you have to scoop out the mud, throw it, make another pile, back you go again, your back hurts, blah, blah. It's a chore almost. But once you get to the sort of experience that I have, the best way to describe it, it's like following a wave back into the beach is the best way to describe it. So I will get on my surfboard, I'll get in the water and I'll just follow the surf down to the beach. And then when that's over, I will come back again and I'll follow it back in. It becomes Mm. that easy because the structure is ingrained. All you need is on your surfboard in the water, ask the important story questions, which is for fear FM season two is, will Deepa and Anjali be able to defeat Dilal Shudeo? If so, how? And I will chase that wave in. But it would be useless to chase that wave in if my surfboard is a shitty surfboard that's flimsy. The surfboard is actually the theme. The surfboard is the thematic question. What happens to childhood friendships? And what happens Mm -hmm. to the misguided love that a father has for his child? It's firmly on that basis. And then I'll just follow the wave back in. And once I go in, I finish it, I'll come back to the water Because I'm ready for the next one, which is the next story. That's the other thing too. I think initially, very early on, you tend to be very sentimental about your work. You've got one work, you hold on to it like it's precious. Not really. There's so many stories Mm -hmm. to tell. So instead of being precious about it, just move on to the next one that you have to tell. There are so many poignant human themes to cover so many great stories to tell so many different demons to talk about if you're looking at horror and so many ways to explore mythology if you're talking about fantasy so you know it's an unending journey and you can only really keep getting better and better and better now having done this for a long time doesn't mean I've got an exceptional at it but you know doing this now and producing more of it is my way of getting better at it so that's the structure I in terms of practicalities before starting Starting every season, I will capture that whole process of getting on the surfboard, going back into the ocean in the form of an outline. I will outline the whole story. I'll make sure that the outline is strong, that there are enough surprises, mm-hmm. that there are enough scares, that, you know, there's enough character development, and then I have to write. So earlier, you know, a
1: moment back you said about you have written the stories and you haven't published them, and, and that's true for a lot of artists, right? Whether that's a writer and I have heard a lot of songwriters Mm -hmm. writing hundreds of songs before actually they put out one. So are there any metrics or some of the things that you have, uh, you know, set for yourself to say, okay, this is probably the story that I'm going to put out and this is like really good. Or do you take it to a small pilot group or to some of your friends on the circle and get their feedback saying, hey, how do you feel? How do you decide that this is good enough to put out.
0: Yeah, yeah. And this is true of any art form, I suppose. It's been a mixture of two and it's dependent on how lucky I have been in uh, finding the circumstances where the the work can actually be vetted. So when I used to live up in Northern Queensland, I had an excellent writers group, Writers and Chancellor Society, which is really good. We used to go there every Thursday. We used to read our work, get some feedback tweak it. And then we would try and send it out for publication. That that was very crucial to me. So a writer's group is invaluable, provided the people that are professional enough to give you advice. And they don't have to be super professionals. They uh, can be people who are very committed to helping you do the best. So it can be that as well. And so that really helps. But there are circumstances in life, for example, now in Sydney, I just don't have access to a writer's group. When I was living in Canberra, I tried many times. I couldn't find one online one I didn't particularly enjoy I like face to face interaction. So, you know, I've had to make subjective calls on, you know, which one I thought was good. And uh, once you do it for a while, once you've had a few pieces published, then you get a feeling for what the editors liked, what they didn't like. But then sometimes, you know, uh, as in the case of genre fiction, there is no metric for it in India. There's very few publications that'll actually tell you whether it's good or not. So then you will have to measure yourself against international examples and try and get published internationally or look at international work and look at your own work. And this is the big thing, I think like when I was reading poetry in particular, I used to get a lot of people writing and say, you know, oh, can you read my poetry or can you tell me if my poetry is any good? And I would be very honest with them. I'd be very honest with them. I would tell them, you know, you need to read more in the genre, you need to write more in the genre, and then do your best to try and put the best work out there. And the thing I was trying to eliminate in them is ego. Is thinking, oh, this is good enough. These people don't know what they're talking about. Well, that can be the case in a small instance, in in some instances, but you know, mostly, if pe- lots of people are saying, "Yo, look, that's not working," then this probably something that's not working it's hard the way the artistic environment has evolved now it's hard but maybe it's just my age maybe the younger groups I I feel like they might be a lot more interactive with each other and they would be able to get together and have good writers groups and help each other lots of professional writers have those you know little writers groups made of other professional writers so it's not hard to do but I would say it's a mixture of two if you can't find a writers group it doesn't matter if you're a writer, even if it's other art forms, I would say measure it against popular works or works that are published or even works that are cult hits that are not very popular and that are very good. That's that's always been my measuring yard, you know? The ones where mainstream has abandoned them, but then people love it. A good example is I, years ago, I wrote a young adult romance story, which I am adapting for Hubhopper, for particularly to counter this desexualization of South Asian bodies. It's as, as if we cannot be sexy. It's like it's, you know, we mm-hmm. are immune to sexiness. That's what the pop culture thinks. And so to counter that, I wrote a uh, publication. And one of the uh, publishing houses that took carriage of it, they stuffed it up big time. They imploded and they went out of business. And it, it was a really messy affair. And so I had put it out there for a while. And it was a cult underground hit. A lot of people love that story. And just a month ago, I've read an article in one of the biggest book sites in the world, Book Riot. And this person has written about that particular story and said that, you know, it's a story that so many of that writer's friends have talked about as superb, but they can't find it anywhere. They can't find it anywhere anywhere because I withdrew it and I took it back. And, you know, now I am readapting it. So, yes, my metric has also been cult underground works that uh, like Fight Club, for example, Fight Club was a failure. But look at it. the news, it's one of the most celebrated stories in the world. So look
1: at those things as well. And, and a lot of this is gut instinct. So stick with your gut. Super. So, um, you know, earlier you discussed about setting up that framework and the three act and five act principles of writing a story. And once you have that a framework in place for your story, once you have enough surprises and emotions and all the things that you wanted elements on your on your writing. And then you go about actually writing right. So probably you want to talk about the writing process and how do you go about once you have okay outlined the structure. And I think I do not write fiction or my own understanding about Writing is very, very limited because um, I'm I'm not a big fan of fiction, but what Mm. I'm assuming is once you have the structure in place, almost half of your work is done because now you have a clear idea of how the story is flowing. But again, you would be a better person to talk about how do you actually go about writing it and giving it a form.
0: Firstly, I'll start off by correcting you, it's only 5% of the work, because here comes All right. the <laughs> work that nobody likes, which is actually writing it. It is the most painful thing that you will endure, especially fiction, because you have to generate something from nothing that's really just in your head. The outline tells you a bit of a pathway, but you've got to fill in what they call the beats. So to get from A to B, a certain number of things have to happen. And, you know, while you can put this in notes to actually translate this into sentences that capture the journey, the capture of the emotion, that is adequately descriptive, that is suitable for the audio medium as well. You want to write in a way that it's suitable for sound effects as well. It's a chore. So to to headline this discussion, I will give you some numbers to produce 15 minutes of content for Indian Noir. It takes about seven hours of work. Oh, wow. So that is, it takes two hours of writing, one hour of rewriting, one hour of editing, one hour of recording and cutting and then another hour of post-production with sound effects. Now that last hour, depending on how sound effects dense an episode it, that can be up to two and a half hours. So it can be anywhere from six to eight and a half hours for 15 minutes. That you listen quickly while you are in in an urban train in Mumbai somewhere, and I really appreciate that. But I do want you to think about the effort that goes behind it, uh, particularly people who are intending to create. You are—if you don't put that many hours in, perhaps the product is not going to be that good, because Hemingway, I think, was the one who once said, uh, "Good writing is rewriting." Once you put everything you vomited all the words out and that's what it is it really is vomiting it's not in a very good condition when you initially write it you have to you know restructure and rewrite the sentences cut out repetitive words uh, look for appropriate words and remember in particularly my case even though i might speak english quite well it's still the outcome of me learning how to do it and by that what i mean is i'm still a speaker of an of the language uh, wherein It's my third language. I spoke Malayalam first, then I spoke Hindi, then I learned to write and read English. So it's still a chore for me. And so my audience is the same. I'm writing for the same audience from where I belong. And for them, I have to make sure that I don't use fancy words or unnecessary words that don't mean anything. I want it to be in plain English, but I still want it to be beautiful because it's literature. But I want it to entertain someone just like me. So I have to be particularly cautious about how the words are structured. So the rewriting process is quite extensive. And so in terms of how it's done, I mostly write during my lunch breaks at work. I will eat and I will write. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's no strolling out in a garden for me at lunch break or going out and doing something entertaining. I will go from my computer cubicle to the lunch area and I will eat and I will write. And I will write. I make sure that I'm in a quiet area because when I write, I type very loudly. So, and the more action-packed the sequence is, the faster, the louder it gets. Yeah, so I do that. And then I come back to the same space the next day. I edit it and yeah. But this doesn't need to be your case. Like, you know, whenever it is that you need to find a time. There's a famous Isabel Allende quote. She says, turn up again and again till the muse turns up. And that's the thing with writing. Mm -hmm. You just have to go and do it. Put your ass on the seat and <laughs> tight. sometimes it'll be <laughs> rubbish but you know i think the thing with Indianora you know, or i have been and this is the great thing about finding a format that is successful to you once you know you are good at a format because you've got the reader appreciation and once you know thousands of people are waiting for you to release that week's episode it makes that process actually quite enjoyable that's True. really important. Yeah, yeah. When, you, when you're isolated and no one's seeing your work, it's really hard. But, you know, the beginning days of Indian Noir 2017, 2018.
1: But I think those are the days where you can afford to make mistakes, where you can afford to make experiments, you know? Absolutely. Yeah,
0: totally agree. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say I was going to say that Indian Noir hasn't had those days. Most of 2017 and 2018 were like that. There was, was probably like 10 people listening to it. But the 10 mm-hmm. people who listened to it really loved it. And I think here's the thing where, you know, I think I, I was speaking at the audio craft conference in Sydney, which is a international conference and gathering for podcasters and audio artists. And one of the things I said was the one thing that's always been important for me as an artist is that, you know, I don't care if I don't make millions out of this. I don't care if there's millions of readers or listeners, but you know, luckily I'm very fortunate that Indian noir has thousands and thousands of listeners, but even if I only had a thousand people who enjoyed it, I would be very happy. Absolutely. And I think that is what you need to strive as an artist in any format. If you strongly believe you're good at something, any art form, and you believe you have something significant to contribute to it in terms of its contributions to the artistic history of that particular genre, then strive to work hard to place thousand people and be very happy with it. I think that's held me in good stead in those beginning years. And then I worked for those thousand people to please those thousand people, to get to those thousand people, to make sure that they stayed And they understood me and they were happy to share it and celebrate it with me. So I think that that's a very valuable tip. And the thing I said at the, at the audio craft conference in Sydney was that podcasting is a medium. If you're true to it, then it will give you this creative satisfaction. I must note here that if you strive and strive and you're not able to please those thousand people, or you don't have those thousand, thousand people after a fair amount of what you think is a realistic period of time you've spent on it, then perhaps it's time to try something else, which I have two absolutely of people that you know a lot of people who yeah. are writers you might be actually be better at stand-up comedy because you have the skill set to write and you understand story structure you know a joke is a tiny story that's told really well that's funny you'll be able to translate those skills maybe you're a better comedian maybe you are a better painter maybe you are better at you know all your writing skills can be used to envision a piece of art and you learn it and you do it really well uh, and you become successful in another medium and for me books weren't the medium. I would go to Indian publishing houses that I interacted with very early on and tell them that the future is smaller, smaller word counts, quick, pacey stories that would draw people in. Don't be obsessed with producing 90,000, 100,000 word giant tomes. I understand there's a commercial reason, but people will stop doing that. And boom, what what happened? That's exactly what happened. E-books came and took control. Smaller e-books, novella-sized ones became more popular. And now the only reason print is surviving is because of beautifully crafted big books. But most mm. of the market is
1: going to be taken over by audiobooks and ebooks. So, you know, there is that as well. Super. But having said that, a lot of people might chase perfection before putting the work out, and which I personally do not think is something, obviously, I mean, There needs to be improvement on your work, right? Every single work that you create, there needs to be constant improvement. But at the same time, probably you should not also wait for your story or your craft or maybe, you know, your podcast episode for that matter to be perfect before you begin your podcast, right? So this is one of the things that I see a lot of people struggling with when I coach them for the podcasting hey, you know, I have recorded. it hasn't come out really that well. You know, and the thing that I tell them is, hey, you know what, even if you put it out there, there are not like lakhs and lakhs of people waiting to listen to your episode. Like mm-hmm. there are only going to be 10, 20, 50 people who are going to listen or maybe less, right? So yeah. you can afford to make mistakes. You can afford to experiment on the, at least on the first few episodes of your show. And that's exactly what I've done with my show as well. And, Interestingly, for a podcast, when your listener loves a couple of your episodes, they go and binge listen all of your episodes. And listeners have, they have actually came back to me saying, we can see how much you have improved from your earlier episodes now that you are at 76, 77 episodes And that's going to happen when I, you know, when I'm at 300 episodes and when I look back at 76 episodes and I'm going to laugh at myself, probably saying, okay, that's where I was. And, but it's constant improvement, right? But again, what I strongly feel is that you should not also wait for like, okay, I'm going to write that perfect story. I'm going to produce that perfect, you know, audio episode before I put that out. Would you like to add something on somebody probably, you know, waiting to be perfect before even releasing out and getting feedback from listeners.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you asked this question because recently I interacted with someone on my Instagram page and I gave them a bit of advice on this front and I would like to repeat that advice, I think. Uh, I think the cardinal rule with Indian Noir and as should be the case with any piece of art is not to bore people. I think, you know, that's the number one rule for my stories. That's it. Really, that's it. It should entertain. That'd be great. And I also understand that some people won't be entertained. So, to give you a bit of insight, only one third of the people who listen to the first episode of Indian Noir stick with it. But they stick with it. They are lifelong hardcore fans. The two thirds don't. They don't like the genre of the story. They might not like my voice. They don't like the fact that, you know, Indian noir has pulp stories. Indian noir's lineage is pulp magazine stories that used to appear in Indian magazines in the 80s and 90s. It's there. It's melodramatic. It's there to induce horror. It's action-packed. It's all that. Some people don't like that, you know. They might like something else. You can't do anything about those people. You know, there's plenty of other excellent content for them to go and listen to and good luck to them. So don't worry about people like that. But what you can't do to the one third of people who stick with you is to bore them. They have given a commitment to you with their time and it's your responsibility to entertain them. So really, if you're starting early on, your work's not going to be perfect. You will see that with Indian Noir. I had cheaper mics. I didn't have the money to buy expensive mics because I wasn't really sure where the show was heading. You know, I started it off as a trial. And, you know, I think what I decided was as time progressed, as more listeners came on board, I would use the opportunity uh, to improve my technology. But very early on, I just proceeded with that golden rule. I will not bore my listeners. And I think that should be your motto as well. Don't worry about the length. Just make sure that you are able to provide content that's useful and entertaining and it's the length that it needs to be
1: at. All right, Nikesh, yeah, I mean, now that, you know, you have the framework and story in place, obviously, you know, for the podcast like yours, there is uh, obviously, you know, work, but Really, not a, a lot of work that goes in production of that or recording bit of it of the story because you already have a structure in place, right? But what is important for the story, like yours, is the narration bit of it, right? And uh, share with us how you acquire this skill of this amazing narration that you have for the stories and, you know, the stories that you share. And as you said, like that really adds up to the kind of stories that you write and then that is justified by the narration because. If the story that you write is not justified by the narration, then, you know, the essence of the story in itself cannot come across the way it comes to your stories, right? So share with us like how you acquire this skill or if there are some tips for people out there listening or acquiring this skill or learning to narrate. Because a lot of people come to me saying, Hey, you know what? Do you help me in learning? The voice modulation and, you know, act and a lot of stuff. So are there some tips uh, there you'd like to share with the people from your own learning?
0: Yeah, look, the first thing I want to say is that I always enjoyed telling stories as a kid and as a teenager. And I clearly remember when we used to go to our university YMCA camps for, um, you know, debating or skills development courses, you know, in the evenings when we didn't have much time, I would tell people stories of movies that I really enjoyed, and they would, you know, sit there and listen to it gripped. And this continued on even when I was an adult. And this is one of the things that when I was frustrated with the format for my work that came to me, why am I bothering putting out printed books? People always enjoyed listening to my storytelling. So why don't I do it that way? So the enjoyment factor is a big thing behind it. The second thing is, you know, as I grew older, my voice became a lot more deeper. So, you know, I had naturally gifted with a good deep voice, but... That's not enough. Lots of people have great deep voices. They can't really use it for anything else. And especially for a fiction show, it's not enough to just have a character who speaks very deeply the whole time. Um, you, know, you have got uh, characters who are women, who might be demons, who might be other people. So you have to judiciously apply changes in voice to do this and so my first tip would be especially and i totally understand this because i'm just like you english is the third language for me because indian languages are spoken really fast there is a tendency to speak english really fast it's not a language that tends itself to be lends itself to be spoken that fast so i would say first step is to slow down and pronounce the words clearly an important uh, addition to that is the fact that, you know, as you are aware, each sentence has its own emotional heft. Some sentences are said sadly, some things are joyful. So, you know, to, you need to try and capture that as well. Now, with pronunciation, because we are not naturally uh, native speakers of the language, what I use is I have got, there are many apps like this, but I use an app called How You Say. So in my script, if there is a word that, is I don't know how to pronounce, which there's a lot of words, or even when I'm recording, if I realize, ah, geez, that doesn't sound very correct. I will switch on that app, and then I will uh, find the word, and I will listen to it as spoken by a native speaker, and then I will say that word. And this doesn't need to be applied just to fiction podcasts. You can do it for the non-fiction ones too. Try and pronounce and respect the language really well, because we would expect the same of our native languages too. You know, like especially in Malayalam, there are lots of people who make fun of people who didn't grow up in Kerala who come and speak Malayalam. Why are you making fun of them? If you spoke English, you'd be the same. You wouldn't be able to capture the sounds exactly. So, but you know, that doesn't mean you shouldn't put in the effort to try and speak the language well. Do your best. It can't be. We can't speak like native speakers, but we can try. So that's one important thing. And 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 using those apps. And lastly, I would like to say is. The online learning environment has made improving your skills in narration very easy. So uh, some of the courses I would recommend, there are some on udemy.com, on coursera.com, I think. Lots of courses of professional audiobook narrators and voiceover artists giving you lessons. I went and trained with one of the teachers in one of the theater schools in Britain. It's one of the schools where I think even actors like Benedict Cumberbatch have come from. So you have access to the courses by these great people now. So you don't even need to go to London to learn them. You can save up some money and you can learn them online. And then it's a matter of, again, I repeat, mastering something by doing it for 10,000 hours.
1: There is no beating the actual act of doing it. Super. I guess it has been an amazing conversation. If people would like to reach out to you, if they haven't heard your podcast, where they can find you, what's the best possible way to reach out to you?
0: Yeah, Indian Noir is spelled I-N-D-I-A-N-N-O-I-R Be are available on IndianNoir.com on all major podcasting platforms I am on Twitter at Indian Noir. Very active by the way. Instagram, very active yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not boring people, but uh, <laughs> Instagram it is at underscore Nikesh Murali, my full name is. But come to indianewart.com and it will give you the links to
1: all of these different sites. Guys, make sure that you check his podcast out if you are a fan of a fiction and horror. And, and you know, Nikesh is, is definitely one that stands out, at least in the Indian podcasting scenario. Super. It has been an amazing having you here, Nikesh. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Great. Look, it was fantastic. And I just want to thank you for having me and giving me this opportunity. And good luck, everyone, with your podcasting.
1: Podcast Unfiltered is a wine studio production. The show is produced by me, Vijay Gautam, and Anushka Pandey is their assistant producer. Shrey Ogre is our audio engineer for the show. You can find other podcasts produced by Wine Studio by visiting our website, wine.studio. That is W-Y-N.studio or searching Wine Studio on your podcast app. I'll see you in the next.